Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception, we have a great guest. But first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. One of my friends in the real estate space, Rod Cleef, is hosting another one of his live events in Denver, May 17th to 19th, and it's all about multifamily investing. I've been a guest on his wildly popular podcast. If you've never been to one of his events, you've got to go, and I highly recommend you do. I've got a discount code that will get you 100 bucks off the ticket price. Go to rodsbootcamp.com and enter the code ESPRESSO at checkout. That's rodsbootcamp.com and enter the discount code ESPRESSO to get $100 off your tickets. We are back here on the Real Estate Espresso Podcast. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We've got a great guest. He's the chair of the New Orleans Investment Conference. He's the publisher of the Gold Newsletter. He's an angel investor, and he's one of the world's foremost authorities on gold and precious metals. All the way from New Orleans, Louisiana, welcome to the show, Brian London. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Brian, you were on the show last year. We talked about the New Orleans Investment Conference. We talked about what's happening in the world of gold. A lot has changed in the marketplace. There's been more quantitative easing, especially in Europe. You know, interest rates have gone up a little bit. What's your perspective if you were to forecast what's going to happen? Price of gold has gone up. It's gone down. Where are we at? Well, what's interesting is that the rest of the world outside the U.S. was in the process of planning to start tapering. The Federal Reserve in the U.S. had actually started that process and was a bit down the road. They were trying to get to 3% so that they could cut rates in the event of the inevitable recession. They weren't able to get there. And that's the big news, both in the U.S. and globally, is that because of global weakness, global economic weakness, and downturns in the U.S. stock market, the Fed was unable to keep raising rates. And they just recently announced, as you know, that they were not planning any rate hikes in 2018, uh, in 2019. Remember, they were planning three to four as of a few months ago. Now none. And a lot of people are starting to factor in the inevitability of rate cuts for the Fed. I think that's going to be extremely bullish for precious metals, for gold and silver primarily. The jury is still out on whether it will be bullish for equities because the equity markets are starting to get scared. Why did the Fed have to stop? And uh, so they're a bit nervous right now. It it remains to be seen whether that will be positive for equities but it is definitely bullish for precious metals. There's a lot of indicators in the marketplace. If you look at the auto industry, inventories are running over 100 days now, 110, 111 days. That's high for that industry. We're seeing economic slowdown. France is in recession. Italy's in recession. The UK's in recession, albeit for different reasons. And the European Central Bank has kept interest rates low through all this. They're out of bullets. They're out of ammunition. The only tool they have left is to print more money. That's obviously going to be inflationary, and yet we're seeing devaluation of asset prices. Yeah, and the Fed's not much better. They have a little bit more room to cut. But the reason why they were trying to get to 3% on the Fed's, Fed funds rate is studies have shown that you have to drop rates at least 3% to get any kind of an economic impact. And the average rate cut in the event of recession is five percentage points. There's no way that they, uh, they didn't get close to that. There's no way they could get close to that. So the Fed very quickly will have to turn as well toward more quantitative easing. The key there, of course, is that 
they'll have to do quantitative easing to a greater degree than ever before, than even before. And that's because the patient has grown a tolerance to the medicine, so they'll have to really ramp that up. We'll be back to the kind of the 2009 time frame where the Fed is really trying to liquefy uh, the economy. A lot of people are still focused on paper assets. You're a big proponent of gold, obviously, and precious metals. And it's not a very popular story here in North America. But when you look to Asia, you look to China, you look to Russia, look to see who's stockpiling precious metals. There's a clear trend there, and it's still somewhat out of fashion here. Yeah, it is. Interestingly, physical demand in the U.S., physical precious metals demand, has fallen off of a cliff since Donald Trump was elected. Conversely, when uh, Obama was president, it was soaring. And that's because the kind of people who buy precious metals were worried about Obama, but they think everything's hunky-dory under, under Trump. So physical demand in the West or physical demand in the U.S. has dropped. But since about 2012, 2013, physical demand in Asia has been very strong. And there's been a veritable river of gold from Western vaults to Asia over that time frame. China alone consumes the vast majority of all newly mined gold in the world annually. We're a few years past peak gold, which means that we're not finding reserves as large as we found in the past, and global mining of new gold is falling. The amount of volume that's being pulled out of the earth is falling on an annual basis. How much of that is consumed by industrial consumption? How much of it's going into jewelry? How much into reserves? Do you have a perspective on that? I don't know what the exact or don't remember what the exact statistics are, but not much in industrial consumption. Gold is a monetary metal. Virtually all of its demand is monetary. Uh, interestingly, silver, the vast majority of its price is due to monetary demand. A lot of people say, well, we like silver because it has an industrial component that gold doesn't. However, uh, if, if silver was valued on its industrial use, the price would be 4 or $5 an ounce instead of triple that. The vast majority of silver's price is due to its monetary demand. And I really like silver as an uh, alternative to gold, as an addition to a gold component in a portfolio. One of the stories I often hear is just looking at the relative valuation between gold and silver. Sometimes those two metals split apart, and there may be an opportunity to just look at some arbitrage between the metals. When things average out over time, what are your thoughts? Exactly. Right now, the gold-to-silver ratio is between 80 to 85. That's historically very high. What happens is in, in a gold bull market, when gold starts to move, silver typically lags, but then it makes up the ground and even moves more on a percentage basis. Silver always moves more than gold in the same direction, but typically to a greater degree, up and down. So there's more risk involved. But it's like a non-expiring call option on gold because you're always going to have the silver, you're never going to lose the position, and it should outperform gold in a, uh, in a bull market scenario. A lot of investors that I talk to that, are, that understand the value of real assets, you know, they focus on real estate, they're wondering how to get a hold of gold. Should they hold the metal, hold certificates? I think there's a long-term trend because of the huge debt load in the U.S. and really all developed economies. 
I think there's a long-term trend of devaluation of the underlying currencies in these economies. It has to happen. It's a, basically a mathematical exercise because the debt loads have risen so large. So everybody needs to have some precious metals as the foundation of a hedge in their portfolio, say 5 to 10% of their portfolio in physical precious metals. And of those, I would focus on both gold and silver. So you put out the regular gold newsletter, and if folks want to learn more, what's the best way for them to do that? They can go to goldnewsletter.com. It's the oldest precious metals advisory in the world, started in 1971, and was actually instrumental in helping to get gold ownership legalized in the United States. So we've been at it a while, and uh, and we, we really help investors maximize their returns in a rising gold environment. Well, Brian, always great to catch up with you. I can't wait till the next New Orleans Investment Conference. We'll see each other face-to-face again. And for the listeners at home, definitely check out the Gold Newsletter. That's goldnewsletter.com. And have a great rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 